Hey, man. Hey. How's it going? Yeah, it's pretty good. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Here we are, back again. Back again. Talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fear. Fear, yeah. So this is the uh, bi-weekly podcast, we'll say, that's been on hiatus for a little bit. <laughs> it's about to be bi-weekly, I it's think. It's about to be bi-weekly. Yeah, we've officially started Ghost Stories Volume 2. We have. Everybody's juried in. The artists are stoked. We're stoked. Everything's getting underway. It is ramping. As best as it can be. <laughs> yeah. It's been a it's been a crazy few months to say the least. There was a there's a lost podcast that we did kind of right at the start of everything. I think we should publish it eventually. But yeah. um we didn't for various reasons uh publish it. But it would be interesting to go back and maybe see see what we said back then <laughs> compared yeah, to that now was the one we did on instagram live right yeah 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 i feel like we're more grizzled we've got longer hair now our beards yeah. are more unkempt <laughs> yep. Yep. It's, the apocalypse is progressing swimmingly <laughs> yeah i look more end of the world than most days yeah it's pretty excellent yeah so yeah. fear uh, i think we're gonna our topic to talk about is the today on on around the campfire is uh is fear and art and mostly fear of the unknown um not knowing what's over the bend or over the horizon or maybe even just just outside your your tent and how scary that can be so we were originally going to record this uh while we were camping last weekend and it ended up not being the greatest time to record a podcast. It, it was, was a bit tough. It was <laughs> the weather wasn't on our side. That's for one thing. No, <laughs> I don't think any of us slept that night, so we didn't really have much to say. But now that we have some energy again, we can recount <laughs> our fearful tales from the woods. But uh, yeah, I think the day after we were like, well, I know I was. I was like, ah, oh, man, I just didn't sleep don't have any energy my brain won't make sentences it's not gonna happen yeah so here we are here we are in the but what's perfect our, is in the, yeah in the non-scary comfort of our homes yeah what was perfect though was it kind of it 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 lends itself to what we want to talk about which is not knowing what's on the other side because uh yeah. and we went to bed and uh, it was super beautiful, actually, when we all went to bed in our camp, or in our in our tents. And then uh, about three in the morning, just like wind, crazy wind started to whip up. And a light show that I haven't experienced for a little while. I, that was probably the biggest storm I've been in camping since since camping in Ontario, probably. Oh, yeah, I know. You don't see storms like that. Like, they just don't. I mean, yeah. I remember, well, you and I both remember from Ontario, like up in Muskoka, some of the storms we used to get, we would be trying to photograph some of this chain lightning going across the sky that was just crazy impressive. Yeah. And we, for the last 
five, six years that we were up there, I'd had, uh, had that place up there, we, we uh, didn't see storms like that at all anymore. And I don't really know why. It just never yeah. rolled through like that anymore. Yeah. It seems like a, I wonder what that's about. I don't know. But here we are trying to go to sleep and, <laughs> and just crazy wind is, it, it was horrifying. And both John and I went to sleep in our tents and didn't have our flies on. So luckily before it started to pour, we got our flies on the tents so we didn't get soaked. But it, it was interesting because you sit in your tent and it sounds like it sounds like the apocalypse is happening outside. You know, it sounds like you're about to be whisked away in a hurricane or a tornado. You poke your head out to take a look and it's really not that bad. Like it's, it's you know, the the, the (laughs) trees are whipping a little bit, but it's like, it sounds so much worse than it really is. As soon as you poke your head out and you see the trees are kind of moving a little bit, but you know, it's not, it's not going to come crashing down on top of your head. It, it's but but if you stay in your tent with these weak measly little walls that are getting whipped around by the by everything and you don't take the time to look outside it just your 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 imagination just starts going wild right like yeah because everything's just so amplified it is the cure to the fear of being in a tent is to just like stick your head outside and be oh yeah no it's just uh yeah there's the ground and there's the trees that were there earlier today <laughs> yeah so needless yeah, to say it was a, it was a loud noisy storm but it really uh, it, it wasn't as bad as you think just because you you're not looking at it you're not you're not there witnessing it so your your imagination the human imagination just starts telling crazy stories about mm-hmm. everything yeah there was moments there was a few moments through that. It was honestly, so I woke up. Yeah, I woke up with a few raindrops hitting my forehead through my tent with no fly on it, as you described. And um, a couple of raindrops hit my forehead. I woke up and thought, hmm, that's not good. And then the entire sky lit up with a huge chain of lightning across. And... Um, it's and it's immediately impressive and amazing and i mean i i I knew the rain was coming so i flipped out and jumped up and got went and got my fly got it set up just in time but honestly once the fly's on and you can't see out anymore it's more scary you know like you kind of you you feel like you're hiding in this little hole away from something terrifying that's happening and it can be i mean it's it's not that often that we find ourselves in the woods anymore at the i mean for the average person i'm sure there's people out there that do it all the time but for the average person that hangs around in the city we're not subjecting ourselves to that kind of the kind of magnitude of what nature has to offer on a regular basis and it can generally just be pretty scary to kind of be refreshed and reminded what uh, what power is out there just floating around in the sky yeah um but yeah you find it's i find it even more scary when you when you can't see out when you're not when you're not really in it when you're kind of hiding from it in a little tent it's it becomes definitely more scary than uh, 
than when you're kind of standing there facing it. If you're even if you're standing outside, getting pelted by rain, and the lightning's right there, you know. Yeah, well, you can see what's hitting you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting. Hopefully, it's not lightning. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, it's not lightning. Yeah. Um, and a few days later, we ended up watching *Color Out of Space*, um, a H.P. Lovecraft-inspired film. Um, I mean, *Color Out of Space* was a H.P. Lovecraft story, and the the film starring the wonderful Nicolas Cage with all his Cage rage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, H.P. Lovecraft is probably one of the biggest horror influencers of horror ever i mean everybody has sort of taken notes from his writing and his um style of horror and his his big thing with horror and i'll read this quote is the oldest and strongest emotion of mankind is fear and the oldest and strongest kind of fear is fear of the unknown right and it's it's just like we're saying you know you sit in your tent and your your mind just starts going crazy playing tricks on you with what could be outside, what could be happening. And as soon as you take a look, as soon as you push your head through the flaps of your tent and make sure nothing's there, you know, it's, it's really not that bad. Or yeah. it's scary, but it, it becomes a lot less scary because you, you have a concrete vision of what is happening instead of your brain telling you the story um without any sort of facts you know yeah yeah i mean it's just the same phenomenon that like a squirrel sounds everybody thinks a squirrel is a bear when they're in their tent and you hear a squirrel like crunching through the underbrush it's obviously a bear when you're in a tent but the reality is is if you've ever been in a tent and a large animal has gone by you'll know like it's <laughs> it's way more intense but it's like everybody has that that amplified kind of senses right when your mind's telling you a story like you said and everybody thinks the squirrel is a bear yeah and i think i think artists have to deal with this sort of fear on a daily hourly momentary basis right like the art the the fear of on uh, of not knowing the fear of what's around the corner the fear of what am i doing what is this i the fear of the unknown is something i think we deal with as artists as creators uh constantly Yeah, I agree. It's um, it's kind of this. It's yeah. It's in the same same realm. I think um, it. I think the, the major difference is that you f- you feel like you should have some control, right? I mean, like when you're when you're sort of standing in a thunderstorm. You know, you don't really have any control, um, and it's just kind of awe inspiring to be in that, um, and the fear is like. There's, yeah, I think what I mean is that there's, um, for an artist, we're grappling with a total unknown in a lot of ways, which we'll probably get into here, but 
there's there sh- it feels like there should be a semblance of control that we have and that like adds another layer of fear in a way mm-hmm. what do you mean by control do you mean like control in how our art is perceived or control in yeah like in, control like, in the execution of the art i mean or yeah that primarily is. for sure that primarily we don't really ever have control in how it's perceived we can try but um control over the the making of it like um, mm-hmm. uh, a sense that we have our hands in in the des- in our destiny of of what we are making how we're making it all you know all the skills that we've learned along the way and how to employ them um and you're always going into the unknown but you're you're meant to feel like you're going into the unknown with a set of skills you know and i guess that applies to anything really like if you're even if you're camping if you're more experienced if you're if you're um you have bushcraft skills you know like it's it i'm sure it makes all of that experience less frightening than someone who's just literally never goes out there and just goes out there for the first time and is in the woods in a thunderstorm alone with no idea how to handle themselves in that situation. So I think there's that extra layer of the onion where you are afraid of the unknown that you're going walking into, but you also feel like you should have some control. And in art making, that controls something that is almost beneficial to let go of, right? I mean, it's, it's something that can be crippling it can be hold hold you back creatively um sort of holding holding on to that sense of control that you want to have yeah yeah definitely i mean it's is it grasping at straws when you when you think that i mean we were well let me start this again um is it fruitless to try and do that because there's always going to be things out of your control when it comes to the craft and comes to making things. It's a bit different for me. I think just because most of my work is so technical, like technical as in the software um, Mm -hmm. allows for like a, a granular amount of control that, that trad art doesn't necessarily. Um, yeah, you don't get to just whimsically not know the software <laughs> and make yeah. what you yeah. need to make. Like it's yeah. impossible. That's not uh, that's not really a thing, you know. With... And same, I mean, and I'm not, and you, you know me, I'm not an advocate for everybody's an artist, and anybody that has has never picked up a paintbrush is going to be, um, you know, can can make good art um, without any skills. But man, I just got, um, I just got in the mail. A card from my folks and they sent a um they sent a little painting that my two-year-old nephew made and damn it it's good like <laughs> it's so good it's just so he doesn't care at all he doesn't even know yeah. what's happening and it's just raw and amazing but maybe that's <laughs> that kind of thing where it's it is because he doesn't care about the unknown he doesn't care about any of this it's just yeah it's just raw 
throw it down, man. I don't need to control any of this. I don't have to know what's going to be on the other side of this mode of creation. Yeah. I don't have to, I don't care what people think about it. I'm just putting shit on paper. Yeah. I mean, exactly. I don't think, I don't think Loic gets that granular in his thought <laughs> process. No, but it doesn't have but to. That, like, but that, but that's, yeah, yeah. It comes naturally because he doesn't yeah. have to think about it. He, he's not capable of overthinking any of it. He's yeah. just likes picking up the thing and smashing color onto a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. He's and, not, he's not sitting there thinking, is this the right decision to make at this point f- to make this art? the most successful it can be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right? He's not, he's not, not thinking about thing. that or, um, and then knowing if that is in fact the right decision, he's just making those decisions or yeah. he isn't even making decisions. He's just, he's just making. Yeah, exactly. He's just making. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's an amazing thing and it's, it's a hard thing to, and that's, that's the kind of part that gets stripped away when you, the part of creation that gets stripped away when you, uh, when you start to feel as though you should have so much more control yeah. over the unknown parts of, of art making. Yeah. But that's, I think it's a marriage that you have to strike where like you need to let more, I think you need to let more of that in, you know, and recapture some of that sort of childlike wonder and, and carelessness when it comes to, and the, because the skills are there and they'll, they'll manifest anyway, right? I mean, if you can kind of just apply paint, once you've applied paint enough, you know how. But if you kind of try to forget how, it's still, those skills will still be present. Mm-hmm. And they will guide your hand. But if you let your brain sort of be open instead of overthinking it. And I'm like the worst person to be saying this because (laughs) I do this probably worse than anybody. I overanalyze every mark I make. Well, to to read this quote from uh, a book that will probably, I mean, I'll recommend this book to anybody that hasn't read it and we'll probably like quote it a little bit uh, throughout this episode, but uh, this quote from art and fear observations on the perils and rewards of art making by david bales and ted orland um but the quote is uncertainty is the essential inevitable and all pervasive companion to your desire to make art and tolerance for uncertainty is the prerequisite to succeeding Mm. right like god it's good Oh, it's so good. Every, <laughs> it's a, every, yeah. every line in that book is just ridiculous. <laughs> if anybody hasn't read it, it's the absolute Bible of art making. Like if you, yeah. you have to know it and read it because every single sentence is like that. And every single sentence is, you will read and you'll go, damn it. Yep. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> that's every single. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder it. if that's why <laughs> artists just go squirrely all the time is because we just live in uncertainty. We live in the unknown. Mm-hmm. And and it's, I, I feel like maybe we're humans aren't just we're just not built to deal with that. Maybe I don't know. Um, we don't. We it's don't stressful. Want it. We don't want yeah. it. We fight against it for sure. Yeah, in our very it, nature. Yeah, it, it's just it's so stressful to live there all the time. But like they said, it's it's so necessary um, yeah. to to innovate or to 
push your own work into different directions living in uncertainty is is yeah living in uncertainty is an absolute prerequisite to succeeding yeah it's so great Mm -hmm. yeah um so how do you deal with with just living in that uncertainty not well i'll tell you Um, (laughs) uh, yeah that's a great question man i i don't feel like i have been dealing with that well at all in the last last year you know there's times when it when it when i deal with it well and there's times when i don't Mm -hmm. um i don't think you know this a tolerance for it is not something that I've even through all these years really developed. Um, it still comes crashing down a lot of times, um, sometimes minor and other times major. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really difficult to, to keep the path ahead, you know, um, I don't know. Especially I, when I, that path is uncertain. Hey, oh, yeah, it always yeah. is. <laughs> exactly. Some dirt path into the unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think just trusting in, I think tr- trust in the skills you have, trust in the, trust in your own desire to create, you know, Um because there's a that that all that uncertainty has a tendency for me to melt away when i'm practicing art making like when i'm in it right like when i'm in the thick of it in the middle of a painting and it's so you know it's always worse at the beginning when you're doing sort of concepting sketching this kind of stuff for me when like my sweet spot is like two-thirds the way through a painting when it's feeling (laughs) in a good place and it's Mm -hmm. you know and and then it's really fun and that's and a lot of that uncertainty kind of falls away but then as soon as i'm done the piece i look at it and all that uncertainty comes back because you question all the decisions you've already made and it's time to move on to the next piece and um a lot of that that fear kind of comes flooding back uh, so it's it's a it's a roller coaster all the time, but I think just trusting in, for me, trusting in my own, the fact that I do love painting and that I do want to create, and that's just fine, you know, like it's not, it's fine to just want to do that and to do that and see what comes out the other end, um, but it's a really hard place to get yourself, especially when you kind of intellectualize art making process and think about it too much it becomes harder and harder Mm -hmm. it's almost like you we we should be chasing that childhood freedom of of art making where it's just you're just in it you know it's just it's just so momentary and so beautifully um innocent because there's no Mm -hmm. there's no motive there's no there's no seeking uh client approval there's no there's no uh seeking any sort of 
um, amount of likes or uh, likes or hearts or whatever they are for your social platforms. You're just like in this flow state of making stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know for me, my favorite part of the, the process the where I've kind of feel the most calm, I guess, is in the ideation stage, which is weird because that is actually like the super big unknown, but I kind of thrive in say getting a script and trying to visualize it, um, through animation and motion design and, and not knowing how to emote, like to, to visualize certain sections of it and trying to come up with ideas and mind mapping and, and all that kind of stuff. Like that's actually the most uncertain part of the process, but I love it the most. Hmm. Um, cause how sometimes, you, sometimes, yeah. sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, it's sometimes after that, um, it's, it loses the luster of it. Uh, not all, not always. Like it's really awesome to see those ideas come to fruition and, and how you're going to kind of execute them and, and what they end up looking like. It's super, super fun and beautiful, but there, there's like this lull period where you're, you're actually executing the ideas where it's almost just like pushing buttons and executing things the way that you've planned them. And it like, mm-hmm. it sometimes loses that sort of freedom. Um, to kind of riff and and make things up and and stuff like that so it's almost like the certainty kind of removes an element of surprise not always um but i i find that the the start of the process where you are super uncertain is kind of the most rewarding that's interesting yeah i wanted to ask you what um well that i know we had this conversation before about you you enjoy having some parameters mm-hmm. because you do a lot of client work and you know you're given a script or you're given a concept that you have to kind of bring to life and there's parameters there and somebody's sort of expectations of what they're going to see mm-hmm. um versus your experience doing like the universe and the astronaut which was just your own thing from mm-hmm. scratch what's the experience like for you in the comparison like is it in terms of the, what you're just talking about you're talking about like uh that ideation stage and is was it more stressful making the universe and the astronaut which is which is just your own passion project definitely definitely more stressful just because it's it's so wide open um mm. like there is no there is no parameters. I mean, you set kind of boundaries and set parameters for yourself at the start of an, of a project like that, um, with, you know, the first few illustrations and, and the story itself. And, and you kind of have to keep it consistent throughout. Um, but even then nearing like the final, I don't know how many uh, illustrations I did for it, uh, 30 or so, um, with many small little flourish illustrations throughout the book, even near the end, you're still questioning, you know, because I don't have a brand guide to follow. I don't have a, I don't have a, 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 a client story that I'm trying to maintain. I'm still questioning whether or not all these decisions are good decisions. Yeah. Um, up until I basically get the proof 
of the book, <laughs> right? right? And it's just yeah. it's but just like, even then you're like sending it to other people and waiting to find out what they what they think, right? Because the decisions yeah. you've made. I mean, I know this from my experience. Like all the decisions I make, you kind of live with them for mm-hmm. long enough, and they and you convince them yourself they're right, <laughs> even if they're not. Or maybe the, I mean, the subjectives, right? So you just kind of talk yourself into stuff that even if you thought maybe this wasn't the best call, yeah, uh, you talk yourself into it over time, and and then it gets in front of somebody else, and yeah, sometimes decisions you thought were shit are amazing, and others you thought that were amazing, other people would not resonate with at all. Um, so yeah, it's it's yeah, that's interesting. I. Um, I think for me, I, I'm just sort of thinking right now that I need a bloody script (laughs) for my work, you know, like I think I need to write one because there's like, there's a, that feeling, that uncertainty is every day I walk into the studio because, Mm -hmm. because I'm coming from a blank slate. I have concepts in mind, rough ones, right. That I'm trying to meet, but but I don't, I don't have, I haven't made it into a script that I, that I can follow. And I think that would be really useful if, if I'm sort of stuck in this cycle of, of being scared of this unknown direction that the work is going in and whether it's following a theme or not following a theme or whatever, I think it would be good. Yeah. Following a narrative, even if it isn't like a real true narrative could be super useful because it's it's a form of setting rules for yourself right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um which helps it totally helps with the art making process and it helps with you know discovering style and maintaining style that you know having a narrative that you're following even if it isn't like a true beginning middle end sort of narrative can really help with that but it, you got to strike a balance though i think with the rigidity that comes from that and not being able to explore and play because like at the end of the day too, I mean, that's what we need to do all always. Yeah, absolutely. And I know, uh, I was having a conversation with Chris the other day about his process and he, I know he, I know he sets strict parameters every body of work that he makes, but then he'll switch them up completely for the next one, right? And so he still has that ability to kind of play freely with ideas. But when he comes, when he comes up with one idea and he's going to make twenty paintings or whatever about that idea, he sets very strict parameters, um, either like technically or conceptually that the work has to meet and then he just goes for it. Right. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's a brilliant way to kind of calm your mind and, and remove a lot of that unknown. Um, because the unknowns there, you just sort of set the rules as to how you're going to navigate into it. And then, you just have like you build the ship and then go sailing into the unknown on it, right? Yeah. And you have like you can't. You're not just going and swimming with no bloody life jacket, <laughs> which is way worse, right? So, I think that's. I think it's 
a strong a strong play. Uh, I'm, it's something that I'd like to adopt more for sure in my work. Yeah, yeah, it's a good it's a good call. And um, well, because you, I mean, you get a lot of that probably naturally from clients, right? You have parameters set out. Oh, all the time. All the time. You know, right? it's. I do get like a lot of creative freedom in, in certain aspects, but I always have, I mean, my, one of the first questions that I'll ask when I'm starting up a project is, you know, I need to get a hold of your brand guidelines, your, your, your brand standards. And, you know, I'll put some time into researching the brand that I'm working with if they're, especially if they're new or not super well known to try and learn their story, try and learn how to best serve telling that brand's story Mm -hmm. um visually and so yeah i i end up with quite a lot of parameters that i need to kind of keep following um and so it's uh that that like lift has has like a bit of weight lifted off your shoulders because generally it'll be you know stuff like color palettes or um usually pretty specific to the look of things you know um just in terms of style, like having to stay within the realm of reason, reasonable, reasonability, reasonability. No, that's not a word. Stay within the realm of believability for a specific brand, you know, of course, um, yeah. right. So you don't want to make, um, uh, uh, a brand that is like a bunch of serious lawyers. If I'm working with them, I probably am not going to make an ex- uh, make and execute a animation that is super cutesy and targeted towards kids. It's like that's mm-hmm. not, you know. So it it narrows the creative process enough that it makes decision making a little bit easier, which is nice. Yeah, um, yeah. That's... But there's different types of there's uh, there's different types of fe- unknown fears that that always come up every single time I start a project. Um, I, I'm always trying to do new things generally. And it's, there's always a fear of like, can I even pull this off? I mean, yeah, you know, I don't want to stagnate and just do the same thing over and over again. So I'll try new techniques or new, new ways of doing things. I'm always trying to like kind of up the game. I think everybody is when they create and you're always wondering like, can I actually pull this off? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that's, and then, every, that's every time, right? That's every time, you know? And I think, that that should be true for every creator, every artist. You should be scared of that. It's a good yeah. thing. It's a good thing if you're scared of that. Um, it means you're not going back to the well. It means you're not totally stagnating in your creative process. Um, yeah. You know, yeah, and it's... Me, uh, there's a quote right in the middle here that's another one from Art and Fear. Yeah. That's exactly what you're talking about. It says, making art can feel dangerous and revealing. Making art is dangerous and revealing. Making art precipitates self-doubt, stirring deep waters that lay between you, between what you know you should be and what you fear you might be. Yeah, it's, you know, it stirs it's, that pot of self-doubt every time you go in. Every time. Um, and then I think there's also that fear of, is what I just executed successful? And that I generally, you have... I, as much as you try to say you can plan for that thing and you can sort of align things to hopefully make your odds of success 
more in your favor, um, it's totally out of your control, right? Like no matter how much um, you put into a campaign or an animation or something, it might, people might not, it might not resonate with them, right? Um, The same with your, same with your art. You might, you might throw your entire self into a new body of work um, and it might just not touch a chord with anyone. And that sucks, right? Yeah. Um, that's horrifying. It's horrifying for people like me who is like, you know, more into the commercial realm of things and people who are not in the commercial side realm of things. And it's, it's cause it, for me, it means, you know, I don't get any more calls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and for you, it means people don't buy your work. Yeah. So, which is the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, it's and another quote from the book because this book is our Bible is um, fears about art making fall into two families: fears about yourself and fears about your reception by others. You know, and that's yeah. those are both those are both unknowns usually because what is life but self discovery? And you know, especially I think for young artists, it's you still don't know yourself. You still don't. You haven't experienced a lot of stuff. Um, you know, that's why I think you know, travel and experiencing new things and and experiencing new people and experiencing new artists is it's like so crucial when you're in your formative years. Um, yeah. Right, because it just it means you learn more about yourself and what you like and how you make decisions and and everything and and the more you know about yourself, the easier it is to kind of make good decisions for your own work. Um, and the only way to get to know yourself is to experience a lot. Um, and on the flip side of that, the one thing that no matter how much experience you have with it, you can never ever 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 control is your reception of your work by others. No. Right? Like you can, like I said, you can, you can align things to possibly be in your favor, which is, you know, <laughs> repeating things that you've done before that resonated. But even then, might people might just get tired of it. Yeah, exactly. The Robert Bateman phenomenon, right? I mean, you can keep making the best, most hyper-realistic animal portraits imaginable and it's going to be commercially viable for all of time but then you're going to end up being the number one example in art school of what you know in in the at the core of the question what is fine art right (laughs) because yeah he's that kind of guy that's like is it isn't it i don't know and so people hate it for that reason even though i mean it's undeniably good yeah well it's undeniably popular too so yeah so people obviously don't hate it right it's it's, but but other people don't receive it well because it's not yeah because it's repetitive and it's too commercial or whatever else right Mm -hmm. so no matter what you do you're gonna have people are gonna hate yeah (laughs) no matter what you do there will be a person somewhere that hates what you do no matter what right so uh yeah it's that's not always a bad thing no to be honest i think uh, I think that's when, when, when people are willing to tell you that they don't like this work necessarily because it just doesn't resonate with them. That's a good thing. That's a, that's when you know that people are 
actually engaging with the work the way that yeah. they should be, right? I mean, it's not going to resonate emotionally with everybody. And if somebody's willing to tell you, they, they take you seriously enough, you know, that they're willing to tell you that like, no, this doesn't do it for me. Then that's, I think that's a win in the, in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's, and I think it's ultimately, it's one of those things that's always in the back of your mind, as much as you try and tell yourself to not worry about it, you always will. Right. Just a little oh, bit. Yeah. Of course. Um, you want people to think your work is awesome. Yeah, of course. Right. And because then you're just like, well, what's the point of doing this? And it's interesting too, because it, it brings up that a bit of a paradox that you need to do your work for yourself. Right. But also you the value in it comes from other people resonating with them. Um, and it's tough because how do you how do you strike that balance mentally with obsessing over the fact that people might not like it and also making sure you're doing it truthfully for yourself and and expressing yourself and and speaking things that are true to you. It's it's yeah, that's a it's really a, that's a it's, whole other ball of wax that that balance, right? I mean, right. It's a it's a, it's a whole thing. It's 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 an impossible balance, and and it's only amplified by social media. Um, and posting things oh, yeah. on social media and, and the obsession with with uh, the dopamine hit that you get when somebody likes your work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because then you know you don't you're not uncertain about it anymore, right? It, it's giving certainty and factual evidence that what you've done is worthwhile, right? Yeah. Like it's like the it's you know it's comparative to well it's not comparative the the difference between like a manual labor job where you're mowing a lawn is that when you finish mowing the lawn you can look and know that you've done a good job because there's the grass is shorter yeah you finish a painting that took you a hundred hours or i finish an animation that that took me a hundred hours i don't know what the value in it is or if it's been successful it's kind of more my love of it and 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 so social media gives you a bit of a metric for success because a million people might like it. And then and then somehow that feels successful. Whereas like it could be the exact same animation, but for some reason it didn't go viral or not enough people had it. And somehow it, because it didn't get a million likes next to it, it's unsuccessful. But it's the exact same thing. So mm-hmm. it, it's... It's tough, and it's that's why sometimes maybe I should just cut grass for a living. <laughs> I know <laughs> I know, the grass is shorter. Fuck yeah, nailed it. yeah, <laughs> <I> nailed it <laughs> <laughs> every time. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's it's so fickle the the reception you'll get for anything. Like you say, you can do the same thing twice, and and uh, I think I think just uh, like I think ultimately honesty in the work that you make like being honest to yourself just keeping in mind obviously i I, i'm not deluded that we're not making work for our audience as well like that's part of the experience um with ghost stories or oh well yeah well sure like if we're talking about ghost stories specifically like this it's a commercial art show it's it's a gallery show so yes the people we're we're you know we're making art. The artists are all making art with 
with a like-minded kind of audience in mind, people that like these kinds of ghost stories or folk tales or people that and it's supposed to love be fun. spooky art and or yeah or whatever this kind of stuff and yeah for sure and it's supposed to be sort of community um focused event and, and we're we trying love to get bringing people, people in yeah. yeah we're trying to get people in that wouldn't normally go to these sorts of things because it's more accessible i guess exactly right, right. exactly and for yeah so ghost stories is a great example of where where we know that we, you're making work for an audience, but you also are making you you have to be honest to yourself about the work that you're making with with the work in the work that you're making. You have to be honest creatively to yourself because people will come people will see that you know eventually, and it might take time, especially if you're making in this case darker work, more grotesque work more challenging work to look at um that's like i mean I, w- I was talking about francis bacon with somebody the other day and how the first time i saw his painting called painting from 1946 or whatever it was um was the first time and this was like i don't know i was 17 or something like that uh I saw this piece and it was the first time that I'd ever seen a painting that was historically significant and at the same time disturbing and grotesque and challenged everything I thought that, you know, commercially viable fine art could be. And it, and it totally threw the whole thing on, on its head for me. Like I, I thought this is incredible that, that this artist could make this all this grotesque work and 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 now you know i mean subsequently he's been the highest selling artist at auction that the world's ever seen for a minute probably and then the next day someone else but but that was just that was an amazing moment for me to find out that that kind of work could work commercially and work historically you know have historical significance but that's because he was just honest. I mean, I mean, Francis Bacon was a crazy dude. Look him up if you don't know him. But he's he was honest in his work, and eventually, that that's the kind of shining example of how that that pays dividends in the long run for the artist. Just just being truly honest to their own feelings when they're making their work, and not being afraid to like, oh, if I make this painting too dark, too intense, people aren't going to like it. Um, and that, but but not in the long run. It's it's not true. People will see that honesty that the artist is is bringing to the table, and appreciate. Especially it. after they're dead. Especially definitely after they're dead. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It might work out better when you're dead. Yeah. It will always yeah. work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it is. No. Yeah. In general, just a scary time there's lots of uncertainty everywhere not just for artists but for everyone um and i think just the i think the best thing we can do is just have each other's backs you know um and just yeah there's some uh there's some really great initiatives also going on in that to that point um to sort of help artists help lots of the other things but obviously we're 
seeing the art things happen, but yeah, yeah just to incent uh, initiatives to help people, um, help artists to keep making work. And I, mean, I think the main thing not get maybe, wrapped up in the oh, fear. Sorry, start that again. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's 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 a handful of good incentives out there right now, or or initiatives to help artists um, keep making work through these uncertain times and um, not get sort of caught up in the fear of the unknown that's uh, that's going on right outside our doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think as long as we all kind of enter the unknown with curiosity and the want to ask questions and learn. But also generosity, because um, I think that's something that everybody needs more of all the time is just generosity and curiosity and the ability to just ask questions and to listen mm-hmm. um, to everyone. is uh, It's valuable for everyone, including artists, especially when things are more uncertain than they've ever been. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Well, um, great chat. Good chat, man. Uh, we're excited because next time I think we're going to be having uh, Jimmy and Kelly and Melanie on the show to uh, talk about their work and uh, also what it's like running businesses as artists. Um, Jimmy is a tattoo artist uh, and Mel and Kelly uh, run the Queendom arts uh which makes um dungeons and dragons paraphernalia so it's it's gonna be a interesting talk to talk business talk art entrepreneurs i think is the the term that is uh not real but maybe real i think Lindsay zess coined that <laughs> or maybe didn't coin it i don't know i'll i'll attribute it to her um huh. yeah so next time we'll have them on the show and chat it's gonna be fun uh and they're all I love it. I'm excited. Volume two. I'm excited to chat with them. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So make sure you check us out uh, and follow us with all the news and happenings on uh, ghost underscore stories underscore YYC on Instagram. Uh, and then it's ghost stories YYC.ca for the interwebs. Uh, but yeah, everybody stay healthy, stay safe, stay interested. Stay curious. Stay happy. Stay inspired. Stay inspired. <laughs>